You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. Okay, and we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. With me, as always, my partner in crime, who you know, who you love. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it's kind of been a sleepy weekend in uh, in Broncos country, but a little – an interesting rumor, if you will. And I – I mean, to even call it a rumor is, is stretching it, Zach, because usually there's – you know, where there's some smoke, usually there's a, there's some fire at the base of that smoke. And in this case, I really even struggled to call this a rumor, but I wanted to get your take on that uh, tweet that came out about the Broncos being one of five teams who have who are rumored to have checked in with the Bengals about what it would cost to, to trade up for the number one pick. Yeah, this is a stretch to call it a rumor. This is just February conjecture right now that usually comes out every year. But if anything, if there's any truth to it, it's due diligence on both parts. I tweeted about this as well. The Bengals are going to look to see what, in a a plausible hypothetical scenario, they can get for the number one pick, a King's Ransom. The Broncos, Elway is aggressive. He'll always check in and see what it's going to take to move up to number five, number three, number one. It's due diligence. It's not going to happen. The Broncos are not moving up that high, and the Bengals are not passing on Joe Burrow. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and it's something that it actually came to my attention because a few different readers of Mile High Huddle started pinging me on social media. They're like, right. is this true? What's going on? And I had to do my own research on it. And I was like, "What? who is this guy? And I you know, tried to follow the thread, go down the rabbit hole. And it, all it is, if there's any veracity to it, it is simply just, a, as you say, it's just a GM doing his due diligence. The Broncos literally sitting at pick 15. Now the NFL draft uh, value chart, there's kind of a rough guesstimate of what it is. But in all honesty, and it was something that was pioneered by Jimmy Johnson, the now Hall of Fame, former Dallas Cowboys head coach back in the day. But it's something that people think they know in the NFL and in the media world that, that, that you know there's like a rough estimate of what it is. And I can even show you guys here in a little bit. I'll do a share screen and show you how it looks. But we still don't really know exactly how the value chart works for NFL teams. That's an internal thing that teams do a pretty good job of keeping a lid on. But just based on what we know, Zach, the Broncos currently sit at pick 15, and it's worth a little over 1,000 points on the draft chart. Well, what it would cost to move up to number one, where the Bengals, theirs is worth 3,000 points. 
So in other words, you're having to triple your draft value position just to get up to one. What what does that mean? Well, you would either have to give up this year, next year, and then 2022's first round pick. So that's three first round picks to move up to number one. Or this year's first, next year's first, this year's second, this year's trio of thirds, just for the privilege. So the Broncos have five picks in the top 100. We've talked about that quite a bit during this offseason, the opportunities act that this team has to really build the nest around Drew Locke. You're talking about not only giving up all of that capital in the top 100, but also next year's first round pick as well, if not more. I mean, it's really also contingent on as well uh, what what the demand is, how many teams are interested in what they're offering the Bengals. So this is just simply a case of a GM doing his due diligence. The Broncos are in no way going to mortgage the farm on a non-quarterback. Right. They're in on Drew Luck, Zach. It's it's not going to change. Exactly my thoughts. The only player you move up that high for in a in a franchise altering decision is a quarterback, not an edge defender, not a corner, not a wide receiver, not a tackle, a quarterback. And even if the Broncos did not have Drew Lock, Chad, there's no generational guy in this year's draft class. It's not Tua, it's not even Burrow. So even if they did not have Lock, the Broncos would not move up to number one. Now with Drew Lock, there's simply no no way it's going to happen. There's a less than 0% chance this actually happens. It's one random guy's tweet. We don't even know if it's correctly sourced. We don't really know much about the guy as Chad inferred. Um, one comment mentioned that he does it every single year. So I might just like to get a rise out of the draft community. But we can both say, Chad and I, it's not going to happen. The Broncos are not moving up that high uh, in the draft this year. Well, and even Benjamin Albright, who quote tweeted this the same tweet, you know, he's about as reliable as it gets. If you want to know what's really going on, Inside Dev Valley, his sources are are pretty bulletproof. He's just rarely wrong. And he just said, look, you know, if if it happened, it's just a guy doing his due diligence. It's just a GM doing his due diligence. Yeah. So it's fun and it's interesting to kind of spitball. But when you realize all of the mitigating factors, including the, what it would take, I mean, that's a, it's just simply a bridge too far. Now, if this were a Broncos team that did not draft Drew Locke last year and you're going into a 2020 offseason with, you know, the corpse of Joe Flacco being propped up, <laughs> You know, uh, you, the next best option is Brett Rippon or Brandon Allen. I mean, yeah, you need a quarterback. Sometimes that you got to pay a premium. We've seen teams do it in the past. We've seen the Eagles do it to get Carson Wentz. We saw the Rams do it to get uh, Jared Goff moving up. Over the years, it happens. And the only time that I think you can you can justify it is is if it's for that can't miss prospect, that can't miss quarterback. The Redskins under Shanahan did it right for RG three back in the day in twenty twelve. So it's, but, but that's not the case. The Broncos have their guys. So, you know, I guess we can safely move on, but guys, we want to see also what's on your mind today. We'll touch on a few things and then get to uh, what you guys want to talk about. Some of your thoughts and reactions to this story as well. First though, guys, just a quick reminder, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. It is simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then also a gentle reminder, head on over to huddle uppod.com that is the merch store that was created based on your popular demand it's up we've been adding new products to it there's a sick new hoodie i'll show you guys a screenshot toward the end of the show a sick new hat there's we're just adding new things to it each and every day so take some time go check that out zach and i are going to start working up some ideas to feature people who utilize the um, the merch store, we're going to do fan focuses, share guy, share pictures of fans who buy the merch on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, feature people on the podcast. So, you know, we, we took the time to get it up because you wanted it. And so there it is. 
then basically too, you guys, your response so far, Zach, it's been phenomenal. Yep. It's just still also a matter of making sure everybody knows it's out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're getting a lot of positive feedback, especially on the hat, especially on the hoodies. I mean, obviously the football pre-shirt, which I'm wearing, which Chad has worn. I mean, that's our staple, uh, you know, of our collection. But there's so many different things we keep adding and so many different ideas, like Chad mentioned, we get to come up with. And uh, if you want to check it out, like Chad mentioned, huddleuppod.com. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's very well quality. And I, I think it's uh, it's greatly priced as well. It's very fair. Yep, it is. And uh let me see. I'll just show you guys real quick since since we're on the topic real quick, and then we'll dive into the uh, crux of today's podcast. Let me just grab this for you guys real quick. Check it out. I mean, it's this hat right here, this this navy blue, bronco blue, huddle Dope. up podcast hat. That's been our number one seller so far. Yes. This hoodie here we put up today. Brand new. Brand new, navy blue, Mile High Huddle logo. It says Broncos country isn't a geographic location. It's a state of being. That's anyway, right. bunch of different uh, products that are on there now. And like I said, we, we're adding stuff to it almost daily. We've got a guy that we are working with that's going to be basically, this is his full-time focus so that we, Zach and I, can continue to focus on content, giving you these podcasts, giving you videos, giving you written content. So anyway, take some time when you get a chance and check that out. It's just another great way to support the show. We got to tip our cap right now to Stu McPeak. And he's, he's the number one guy that here, if he wants to. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zach, when we did, when we finally get our ducks in a row on featuring our fans uh, and our our biggest supporters on Super Chat and just our most passionate Broncos fans, Stu's got the guy at the very top of the list. He's so consistent, jumps in on Super Chat here with a ten dollar donation. Thank, Thank you, Stu. Always, yeah, we love you, Stu. We appreciate it, and you are number one on our wish list to get you on the show for sure, if you're willing to. Yep, and we've got some other stuff heading your way very soon. Brian jumps in also, Keenow. 
sorry if I mispronounced your name, bro. $2 donation. Thank appreciate you, you. He says, my homies, what's up, fellas? Go up, Broncos, DB4. Yes, sir. Yeah, let's see what else we've got here. We'll, we'll jump into some questions. You know, not a lot of, uh, you know, as far as news, we're, we're literally on the heels of a very sleepy weekend in Broncos country. So let's see what's, what's on your guys' mind and make this like a mini mile-high mailbag here. Here we go from Cartoon Triple Sevens on YouTube. Mike Mayock has Denver getting seat. Mayock? Mayock's, <laughs> Mayock's a Raiders GM now. Might be Jeremiah. Yeah, probably Jeremiah. Has Denver getting – it is Jeremiah. No, it was uh, – McShay? Kuiper? Yeah, it was McShay. Todd McShay has Denver getting CeeDee Lamb at pick 15. So if Lamb and Wirfs are both available, Zach, which do you take? Oh, man, that's tough. God, you can probably get either a tackle later in the draft or a receiver later in the draft for close to equal value. God, I don't know. I'm thinking, though, the receiver class being as deep as it is, I'm going with Wurfs at 15. Protect Drew Locke, and everything else will materialize. The Broncos at least have capable wide receivers on the roster already. You cannot say the same about their tackles. So very tough choice. Gun in my head, though. I'm going Wurfs. I'm with you, man. That would be an agonizing decision, but – Again, because it's a deep wide receiver class, as talented as CeeDee Lamb is, and I think you, there's a solid argument to be made that he is the top wide out in this class, yes. even more so than than Judy in Alabama. It's such a deep class that I'm grabbing worse. He's a blue chip. I'm grabbing him and uh, grabbing my wide receiver or wide receivers with one or two of those other picks in the top 100. And by the way, Clay jumps in on Facebook. He says, love this show. It's kept me in touch with Broncos country. I live in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo fans are crazy. <laughs> Bills fans, Bills Mafia for sure. I'm actually going to fly down for my first Broncos game ever this year. Been waiting many years. Nice. Well, congrats on that, Clay, and we appreciate the kind words and for staying in touch with us, buddy. Mark Langley jumps in. Mark, you got a new uh, avatar, Doc. It's good to see you. $10 donation. Appreciate you, Mark. You, Mark. He says, What's up, my guys? Been busy working, by the way. Flacco's favorite band is Flack of Seagulls. <laughs> Flacco's favorite band is Flack of Seagulls. And Elway was born a Bronco. Look at his teeth. But anyway, Ouch. I'll say it again. You know, a lot of what I'm about to say, a lot of Broncos fans are going to be nodding their head along too. They can relate to, but one of the things that used to piss me off, it was a good way to get under my, my skin when I was a kid as a young Broncos fan. Two things that could be said that would piss me Well, three. Two, but here's the main two I'm going to land on. John Elway's donkey teeth. Okay, that, that would piss me off. Because as a player, I mean, you know, social media didn't exist back in the late 80s and early 90s when I was a kid. But you still had the baseball and football cards and you had posters. And, you know, there was you saw them on TV and stuff. So obviously what he looked like was not a secret. And yeah, those teeth were one of them were one of the things that, that would get on my nerves. And then also just anytime someone called him the donkeys, when I was a kid, Zach, it would drive mm. me nuts. I never, yeah, I never got that. Like calling the chiefs, the chefs and all that. Like I never got that as an insult. It was very childish to me, but that's, I guess just my opinion. Well, the most common in my neck of the woods, it was for the chiefs was a less family friendly word <laughs> that does rhyme with chiefs, but I'm not going to go there for Ah, uh, Yes. Our gotcha. friend Josh jumps in on Super Chat. Thank you, Josh. We love you, bro. Thank he you, says, Josh. people like Colin Cowherd and even the hater, Adam Rank, have been saying we could be like the Niners next year. What do you think? Josh, that's a great observation and a, and a great question because I think it was Nick Kendall had the article for milehighhuddle.com on Friday, basically you know, touching on the fact that Adam Rank has now 
essentially reverse course. Last year it was the Broncos are going to go two and 14. Vic Fangio, you know, is not cut out for this uh, being a head coach. He's 60 years old. And you, you guys can remember that the Adam rank thing. In fact, our friend Brandon Perda has had him on a show since then. And, you know, they kind of mended fences. It was some great content that Brandon put out on, on his YouTube channel. But now Adam Rank is basically he's on the bandwagon. Drew Locke's made everybody a believer, and it's not. I mean, inside uh, those of us covering this on a local level, we know that Fangio. You know, he had his ups and downs, but it was much more impressive than it was anything worrisome from Fangio in year one. He, he still had to go through the learning curve a little bit, but really, Zach, this is all about people being excited about Drew Locke. That's what it really boils down to. I was going to say, it's the power of having a franchise quarterback, Chad. I mean, the Broncos were completely disrespected last offseason after the Flacco trade, and Adam Rank was exhibit A in that, predicting 2-14, and 14, and now he's coming around, and now you're going to watch these these national media types bandwagon on the Broncos and get on the light, the Drew Locke hype train. A little too late to leave the station for them, but uh, that's the power of having a franchise guy under center. Absolutely. Uh, Damon jumps in on Super Chat with a $10 Thank donation. You, Thank you, Damon says, I know it's not the prettiest pick, but what do you think of us picking up a kicker in the sixth round? Mm. You know, I'm probably one of the least, um, when it comes to Brandon McManus, like I don't love Brandon McManus, and there are multiple reasons why. Mostly it has to do with him just not, the last two, three years, just not being a kicker you can count on in the clutch, and then some of his, you know, some of his um, – histrionics last year, especially throwing his helmet around when Fangio didn't give him the 63 yard attempt or whatever it was like, I'm not a huge McManus guy. However, the Broncos are, they love Brandon McManus and, you know, kickers can go on forever, right? They can kick. I mean, Morton Anderson, he was kicking well into his forties. You got Adam Vinatieri that's been kicking well into his, his, I think he's over 42, isn't he Zach Vinatieri? He's like 45. Yeah. Yeah. So either way though, my point being Brandon McManus is not, under the gun, what's under the gun is the punter situation. Now, if you were to ask me about, you know, using a sixth round pick Zach on a punter, I would say, hey, you know, let's wait one more round maybe and and then let's talk. But they need to add a punter, not necessarily a kicker. You stole it from me, Chad. Exactly. I would not burn a draft pick on a kicker. I, I'm McManus is solid. He's above average. And in the NFL, it's not easy to find above average, fairly reliable kicker, especially in Denver's altitude. If they're going to use any uh, pick on a specialist, though, I'm with Chad. It has to be a punter. They have to bring in competition for Wadman and not just this random guy they signed to a reserves contract. So absolutely. Bring in a punter in late rounds, not so much a kicker. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brian jumps back in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. This coaching staff, to me, is as we stand. This coaching staff, to me, is as we stand, is one of the best collective coaching staffs we've had in a long time. I'm excited to see them go to work. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that's a fair, you know, justifiable position. The only thing I would say is, like, I'm not telling you this to put any kind of bug in your ear or the seed of doubt necessarily about. Pat Shermer and Mike Shula, because I'm personally, 
I'm over the moon about it. I think both those guys are going to be really good for Drew Luck, and it's going to really, I think, change the complexion of this offense. But just temper the expectations a little bit because, you know, think back to when Vance Joseph was hired. And the idea was, you know, oh, guess what, man? He's starting out his head coaching tenure with a head coach, former head coach as offensive coordinator. Mike McCoy can just be left to his own devices, do his own thing. We saw him do great things with Peyton. We saw him do great things with Phillip Rivers. It's going to be great. And it was a complete train wreck. And the Broncos, you know, you could argue it's one of the things that derailed the Vance Joseph era in Denver. However, it uh, not necessarily exact parallels, but that's an example, Zach. That at the and that was a move, by the way, at the time, almost everybody who covered the team in Denver and even outside national, they thought that was a great move. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a reason, you know, to temper expectations until you see the staff on the field in games. But I like the fact there's continuity, at least from head coach and most of his staff going forward. And like I mentioned on a previous pod, the Broncos got great value in their hires. They got a former defensive coordinator as outside linebackers coach, a former offensive coordinator as quarterbacks coach, and a former head coach as offensive coordinator. To have that experience on staff with a relatively new uh, head coach and Vic Fangio and getting not only also that in the front office, getting Rich Hurtado, Justin Simmons, former agent, or someone who knows Justin Simmons to be your cap guy. I like what the Broncos did experience wise, but like Chad said, pump the brakes until you're a hundred percent sure this is a different look from the previous years when they're on the field. Yeah. And we're not saying don't be excited. We're not saying that there's reason for optimism. I mean, there's, I just got plenty. Telling you, I'm over yeah. the moon about these, these two picks, but it's one of those things where, because of what we've seen in recent history in Denver, Zach, you just you got to see it come out in the wash. Right. Then you jump in with both feet. It's okay to, to be high on it right now. It's okay to be optimistic, but just temper that somewhat with what you know has happened in recent history in Denver. Cartoon, by the way, is like, yeah, it was uh, Todd McShay who, who mocked CeeDee Lamb to the Broncos at pick 15. All right, let's see what we've got here. Uh, Evan McKinley jumping in on Super Chat. Thank you, Evan, Thank with you, the $5 Appreciate donation. You. He says, with all the upgrades to our coaching staff, do we enter the elite tier of coaching minus the special teams coach, of course? Y'all are awesome, by the way. Thank, Thank you, Evan. You. And we kind of – this kind of – you know, we touched on this in the previous one, but overall this this is a coaching staff that is formidable. And I think Vic Fangio learned a lot from his first year. Like, even if we just keep the focus, Zach, on Vic Fangio, he learned a lot in his first year. One thing that – frankly surprised me was how much the stereotype of defensive minded, you know, coach being uber conservative was flipped on its ear because Fangio several times, he wasn't afraid to go forward on fourth down when the situation dictated, he wanted to be aggressive. He didn't have the greatest coordinator partner to help him do that on the offensive side. But you think back even to that, that chargers game in week 13 in which he said, no, we're not going to kneel on it at the end of the fourth quarter. We're going to take a shot and just see what happens. And it ended up providing the pass interference penalty that allowed the Broncos to get that field goal and walk off with, with a win. So Vic Fangio, to me, I think he learned a lot in his first year. There was a lot about being a head coach that, frankly, it's kind of like being a parent. You think you know what it's going to be like. You think you know how you're going to approach it and you know how you're going to react to certain things that get thrown out as a parent. But until you are one, you just don't really know. And so – you know, that's why like for a lot of parents, by the time they get to their sec, you know, third or fourth kid in some cases, you know, they're, they, they parent them significantly different than they did one and two because they've been down the road. And in case of Vic Fangio, he's got that experience now under his belt and he has continued Zach to surround himself with high caliber coaches who are well-respected around the league. And let's not, I think Mike McCoy, I don't think he's, I think he's still out of the league. He had a job the next year 
with the Arizona Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But I think this is two years now that he's been out of the league. Yeah, the league kind of passed him by, and rightly so. And, uh, you know, Fangio showed a lot of great qualities as a rookie coach and a lot of weaknesses as well. We have to hope he capitalizes on those weaknesses, which he will with time and repetition. But those strengths he can build on, I would say the Broncos have one of the best, I wouldn't say elite by any means until we see them on the field, one of the best defensive coaching staffs. I'm going to throw out, I'm not going to include Tom McMahon because I think he should go, but, you know, the offensive staff, they're well around, a lot of great positional coaches. The, what's going to separate them from good to elite or from fair to good is offensive. Is Shermer the answer? Is Shula the answer? Those two hires will make or break the Broncos from being a, a middling team to being a legit contender in 2020. Absolutely. Our friend Terry up in Canada jumps in on Super Thank Chat you, with a $5 donation, proving yet again Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. Right. Hashtag football priest, hashtag state of being. Did anyone pop in the first week of the XFL? I'll be honest, Zach, I don't know how much of the XFL you watched. I turned it on today while I was doing other stuff. I was picking up around the house, yeah. doing a little you know, housework, if you, uh, if you will, I only was kind of surface watching and I wasn't rapidly paying attention. So I'm going to have to pass on answering this one for now. You know, I'll pro- I plan on watching more of it. This isn't something I'm going to ignore, but I almost, I actually forgot that it was even on. Then I, it dawned on me when I was on Twitter that it was on. I was like, Oh shoot. So I turned it on, but did you watch it? I, I caught some of it. Like you said, I, I didn't really sit down and watch a game from, from front to end, but I did like some of the rules they have with the um, the kickoffs, especially the NFL should adopt that. I, it's on Twitter. There's highlights of it. It's a very smart rule. Uh, it cuts down on collisions and still produces highlights and stuff like that. Uh, there are angles they have for touchdowns, the camera angles. They have immediate onside interviews. If a kicker misses a kick, immediately <laughs> after he misses, they're interviewing and asking what went wrong in that kick. So it's pretty entertaining. It's pretty fun. And I think the NFL eventually will steal some of those ideas they have yeah man it's good you know the nfl and understandably so they're like a 12 billion dollar nut right then the nfl's big business the biggest sport in in north america and so they're justifiably slow to change because they have what they believe is the best product that is out there in professional sports whereas you got the xfl trying to kind of edge themselves into the conversation and maybe one day become you know the minor league they're never going to compete with the NFL in a true right. sense, but maybe become the minor league like the old NFL Europe and even the world league back in the day kind of was. Um, but because of that, they have to find ways Zach, to distinguish themselves and to make it a fresher, you know, it's, it's a familiar product. You turn on the television, you see football and it's professional and it's exciting, but they also want to distinguish themselves to create and capture your attention as a viewer. Right. And the ways they're doing that is just some of these small little tweaks to the rules. As you said, the quick, you know, the quick interviews literally after the kick was made, <laughs> really refreshing. And Buona Beast, by the way, jumps in on YouTube. He wants to know if Derek Brown is somehow available at 15, would any of you pull the trigger on him? I think I would. I'd do it hands down. No problem. I mean, Derek Brown in this defense, phenomenal. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy you definitely have to consider. It would all depend, as always, who else is on the board at number 15. But he's a guy I'd have no problem taking, no hesitation, writing his name on the draft card. Cameron on YouTube says, so what can be done to really make sure Locke is fully protected? It's good. Give him weapons and all. It's good to give him weapons and all, but it won't help if he ends up hurt. Yes. He needs that O-line to step it up. Correct. One thing I want to po- point your attention to, Cameron, and you're not wrong, You're, but you're not 100% right. And here's what I mean by that. The Broncos, under when it was Joe Flacco, it was mostly the same offensive line, right? The same guys up front, the same starting five, and he was just getting brutalized. I mean, think back to the Chiefs game. Think back to even the Colts game. 
Brandon Allen came in and it got a little bit better from a pressure perspective because he had a much better feel in the pocket and was a little bit more mobile. By the time Drew Locke got there, his pocket presence and just awareness and athleticism and savvy, it just took so much pressure off the offensive line. Now, that's not to say that you want to ignore the offensive line and that it's all on the quarterback, but it is a marriage of sorts. And Drew Locke, when you have the right quarterback, Zach, under center, it can make up for some weaknesses in the starting five. It's just a matter of, as a, as a team, recognizing where you are weak so that you can kind of scheme around that, help them out, whatever. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do that. But I don't, I'm not one of these that's screaming from the rooftops that this is a train wreck offensive line. I don't think it is. And I think as long as you've got Mike Munchak, you know, you're, you know, that's half the battle. That's like when I talk about the defense, you can afford to kind of scrimp in, in, a, in certain places because the coaching and the X's and O's acumen and the scheme of Vic Fangio is going to kind of bridge that gap. The same can be said, in my opinion, for the offensive line. Does that mean it's not a need? Not at all. That's not what I'm saying, but it's not a DEFCON whatever need for the Broncos. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. Uh, having a mobile quarterback will reduce the sacks and the hits he's taking in the pocket. But if, let's say, Juwan James gets hurt again or Garrett Bowles continues struggling, they have no one right now behind them to step in. They have no one to, to develop as long-term options. It doesn't have to be there to answer the question one or the other. Both are huge needs for Denver. Uh, an offensive tackle or guard, a center, whatever, protection, and also weapons, wide receiver too, a speed demon, someone to take the lid off, Defense is Drew Locke needs both. And that's why I keep saying, Chad keeps saying, the number one priority this offseason is to build the nest and build up Drew Locke's weaponry, his war chest, and his protection. You do that, you will have a top 12, top 10 maybe offense next season. You don't do that, you're going to see a lot of the same stuff that happened last couple years repeat itself, Drew Locke or not. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, guys, we got time for a few more. We got to keep this pod a little bit shorter than usual because it is my wife's birthday and we got some things to do tonight to celebrate her her special day. So a few more, though, because we we don't want to cut this off quite yet. BNS jumps in on Super Chat on YouTube Thank with you. a $2 donation. Thanks, Appreciate BNS. You. What qualities does Noah Fant have besides the physical traits? Well, I think, you know, I kind of regret what I said when, when we were at the Combine, Zach. You know, he, I kind of got a after seeing TJ Hawkinson speak and some other tight ends, and then seeing Noah Fant stand up at the podium, like he rubbed me wrong a little bit. His just kind of his the way he presented himself of like, no, I'm going to be the number one tight end in this right. class. I'm going to be the first one off the board. And of course, it ended up being TJ Hawkinson, his teammate. But I kind of regret even mentioning that he rubbed me wrong because the truth is he's he's a very good player. He's got the 4-5 speed as a tight end to get to be in what BNS is saying here about physical traits. That's all well-established and good. But one thing I think that gets underestimated as it relates to Noah Fant, Zach, is he is a very and highly competitive individual, and he's really smart too. His, he's, a, he's got a high football IQ, which yes. is why I think you're going to see him have a similar kind of breakout second year as you saw from Cortland Sutton last year, but from the tight end position. Listen – Pat Shermer's offense does not ignore the tight end. It's just less tight ends on the field at the same time. The number one tight end is going to see a ton of reps. They're going to see a ton of targets. I mean, if you look back, for example, I just did an article on Noah Fant and Pat Shermer, I think it was Saturday or yeah, so yesterday. And I was looking at doing the research on what Evan Ingram produced in New York, right? For uh, during the two years he was with Shermer. Well, it turns out he missed eight starts one of the years and 10 starts the second year. But still, despite that, his stats were on par with what Noah Fant produced this past season, who participated in all 16 games. 
So what I'm getting at is if they can get basically Noah Fant production out of Evan Ingram in eight games, imagine what they're going to be able to get from Noah Fant in a full season in Sherman. It's going to be insane. I mean, there's a chance, even if they draft a receiver in the first round, if there's any sort of learning curve, there's a chance that Fant is the number two guy in Locke's progression behind Cortland Sutton as a pass catcher. So there's absolutely precedent. There's absolutely reason to believe that he can go off this year. But to answer the question, not only is he competitive, like you mentioned, Chad, he's a student of the game. He's willing to learn. The Broncos used him last year. A lot of blocking situations, that's not his strong suit. It's not what he likes to do. He likes to be a pass catcher, but he was willing to do it. He learned. He got better as time wore on. He's a good teammate. He's a good locker room presence. There's a lot to like about Noah Fant. And I'm with Chad. He's going to be the breakout player on this offense in 2020. I think sometimes we kind of ignore, not ignore, neglect our awesome listeners on Twitter, on Periscope, 650 underscore 7663. You might want to change your hat. Maybe you want your handle to be that. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) maybe you change the handle. Just a suggestion. But our friend here says, do you think uh, Patrick Morris is the starting center for the Broncos in 2020? Zach, I think here's what I'll say. I think there's a 50-50 shot that Patrick Morris is the starting center in mm-hmm. 2020 because I think Connor McGovern is going to probably be asking for between 8 to 10 million and I think he's going to find a team willing to pay him that. The Broncos are not going to be willing to pay him that. And so they're either going to draft their starting center for 2020, but I think they like Patrick Morris. I think Mike uh, Munchak is high on him. Mm, yeah, I think a little higher than I am. I don't know that you can entrust in, in Drew Locke's first full season as a starter to have Patrick Morris as your center, a pretty much an un, unknown, underdeveloped guy. I think they have to get either McGovern back or draft a guy high or trade or sign a guy. They have to have, as the quarterback of the offensive line, the center, they have to have a guy who's capable. So Morris is a great talent to have, a great backup to have, a great guy for Munchak. I don't personally see him as a starter next season. Jordan jumps in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Jordan. Jordan. What are the biggest differences between Brock Osweiler and Drew Locke? Both are second-round picks, and both have had great starts to their career. Well, Jordan, first and foremost, you got to look at the traits. All right? Now, Brock Osweiler had, I mean, basketball player size. He's 6'7", 6'8", whatever he is. And But that was a very – and that was was a trait, Zach, that John Elway – overvalued and we 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 know he overvalued it because he looked for that giraffe again in Paxton (laughs) Lynch just a few years later or in fact the very spring in which Osweiler left but he had a very average NFL arm and he had a really wonky throwing motion and he had a because he was so tall he had his balls had a penchant for nose diving he was not mobile at all he was an athlete because he was a former basketball player and he had athleticism don't get me wrong but he was very slow-footed, like he, his feet were made of lead. When he got out there and had to scramble, man, it was like holding on for dear life. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, this guy's about to get killed. And Drew Locke, in comparison, just from a traits perspective, he's much more of a smooth athlete overall. His arm strength and arm talent is a few tiers higher than Brock Osweiler mm-hmm. ever had, even in, when he was in his prime. So those are just from a traits perspective. From a personality perspective, look, Brock Osweiler obviously had some weird mental – issues all right i mean let's without recounting all the history that the way it ended in in 2016 after the super bowl and but at the same time he's a very smart guy knew how to talk to the media learned a lot from you know being with peyton for four years and all that but drew lock is already significantly more of a leader and a guy who connects with his teammates than osweiler ever was and osweiler was well liked in the locker room but he wasn't getting people to follow him per se, like the way already Drew Locke has. 
I, I think also, and you nail hit the traits part. There's, you know, you mentioned it perfectly that how they differ, Drew Locke and Osweiler. But it feels like Osweiler had like a a sense of entitlement sitting behind Peyton Manning. He was the next guy. He was the boy wonder. He was the heir apparent. Now, I mean, you have Drew Locke who had to come up and beat out two different starting quarterbacks ahead of him just for the chance to start. One comment said it best. Glenn Hauser says the biggest difference between Brock and Drew is heart. It's 100%. It's leadership. It's that it factor. Drew Locke in his pinky has more of that, that alphaness, that it factor than Osweiler ever had, regardless of draft status. Mark jumps back in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Mark. Mark. He says, look, I love you guys. Sorry I haven't been on, but always thank you for what you do. And we stay pat at 15, and Locke is our franchise QB. Orange Crush. Appreciate you, you, Mark. We don't disagree with that at all. Brian jumps back in also on Super Chat. Thank you, Brian. Pat and Shula with Locke. Oh, I'm excited. MVP Locke. Hey, man, we saw Patrick Mahomes in his second year get the MVP. Same can be said for Lamar Jackson. You've heard us talk about it before. We would not be surprised. We're not predicting this to be the case, but we won't be surprised if that happens for Drew Locke. All right, guys, two or three more. We got to go. We're going to grab these other Super Chats. But Brandon says, hey, gentlemen, love the pod. I'm more prone to listen to than." Uh, listen to that then watch the live feed here the last 15 minutes of the xfl 30 for 30 speaks on some revolutionary work they did that the nfl adopted applying it to this day cheers well thanks brandon we'll check that out dude we will check that out uh let's see what else we got here a couple more super chats i don't want to miss anybody jay jumps in appreciate you jay no no specific comment or question but supporting the show we love you appreciate you drop us one too what's that Drop us a question if, if yeah. you has a question for us, too. Josh uh, jumps back in. Appreciate you, Josh. He says, so I followed Garrett Bowles on Instagram, and he seems like he's finally moved on from his troubled past. I think he's less angry inside, and I think that's new. I don't know if it will lead to better play, <laughs> but it's noteworthy. I mean, he did improve down the stretch, and you know, there's something to be said for the maturation process, Zach, and I think there's other evidence to support what Josh is saying here. Also, the fact – or exemplified by he actually, even though Mike Munchak was his coach, arguably one of the top one or two offensive line coaches in the world, Garibald still went out and out of his own pocket, paid a private coach to work with him off the field when he's not in the building. And I think that speaks to some of what Josh is saying here that, you know, he is growing up a little, but it's unfortunate he's been quite slow in that process. But it's better late than never is what I'm getting at. Absolutely. And I'm not going to pretend to be a psychologist. I don't know the mental barrier that Garrett Bowles has to break, but he's going into his fourth season now as a starter. I mean, if he doesn't get it by now, he's never going to get it. So it's nice that he's showing encouragement. But like I always say, I'm not going to praise the guy for doing the bare minimum of what's required from as a starting left tackle. Dylan jumps in, one of our Super Chat superstars, longtime listener of the show. $5 donation. Thanks, Dylan. He says, we treat centers like running backs. Use until the contract is up. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, when you have Matt Paradis, one of the best, I think one of the best centers in the NFL during his time in Denver, uh, underrated for sure, but still one of the best. I think if you were to ask most, go around and, and poll NFL players during that window of time about who the top you know, three or four centers in the league are, I bet you'd get a lot of people in the NFL, a lot of players listing him, and yet the Broncos were willing to just let him hit the bricks. Injury had a lot to do with it. But I think Dylan's speaking to something here in that it's not a position that the Broncos find to be particularly hard to replace. 
I mean, but not only was he good, he was so reliable, Chad, so consistent. He literally didn't miss a snap until he broke his his what ankle or leg, whatever it was. I mean, that's that's Iron Man right there. And we yep. were at the combine last year, and we heard his comments on Paradise. We looked at each other and said, "Why wouldn't you entertain?" It was just it became apparent they didn't have him in their future plans, and I still disagree with that. They should have brought him back. Geo jumps in on super chat, ten dollar donation, no Appreciate question, it. just showing support. Thank Thanks, you. Geo. You are the man. All right. Two more, and then we're out of here. By the way, our friend 650 on uh, Periscope becoming a premium member. I think what you mean is to to be on Super Chat where you can donate to the show if you want to do that. My friend, you have to watch the show live on YouTube. There's a little feature if you're watching and you're logged in live on YouTube. It allows you to uh, Super Chat the show. All right, last one, guys, and then we got to get out of here. From Sleek Tro, Derek Henry is a free agent. Could he make a difference if we pick him up? Zach, he can absolutely make a difference, but then what are you going to do with Philip Lindsay? Right. I mean, yeah, you need a compliment to him and not your own workhorse, and he offers nothing as a pass catcher, and that's what the Broncos exactly need in the running back. So they have their main guy in Lindsay. They don't need a guy in Derrick Henry who's probably going to command a Zeke-type contract anyway. They don't need to invest that with Lindsay coming up as well. All right, guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. As always, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening in real time with this show and with the Denver Broncos. Also a reminder to head on over to huddleuppod.com, the official merch store for the podcast, and also for milehighhuddle.com. You'll see some Huddle Up Podcast merch, and you'll see some Mile High Huddle merch. Check it out. There's a sick couple of few sick hoodies, a couple of cool T-shirts and a hat. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are constantly – adding to that. So check it out. And then don't forget you guys to follow my partner, Zach Kelberman on Twitter. Let me grab you his handle at Kelberman NFL. As you can see on the screen there, myself at Chad and Jensen stay tuned guys. Cause we'll be back in the saddle tomorrow night, same time, 6 PM mountain, 8 PM Eastern. And uh, we'll see what Monday presents in terms of news and things for us to analyze as it relates to uh, your Denver Broncos. But Zach, have a good night, bro. You as well. And regardless of news chat, we'll be looking forward to getting everyone's questions. So uh, be sure to tune in with us then. Amen to that. And Tony, good luck in the dorm, dude. Good luck with that. We saw, <laughs> we saw that all unfold in the comment stream. Godspeed. But, uh, yeah. Godspeed, my friend. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.